covered by the Saints for a touchdown. Each your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good. We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby. We are here inside Black and Gold. Sorry we had a delay. Yeah. In getting you this information, our sure podcast did. had a little bit of a Final Four NCAA championship delay, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. So if you've noticed, this is not the normal day we'd be recording this podcast and posting this podcast, but we're doing it a day late because I decided to take a day off. And in that 24-hour period, I was in my car for 10 hours, <laughs> and I was at NRG Stadium for about three hours. And it was three hours because I stayed for the entire neck cutting ceremony after the Yukon Huskies defeated the very much overmatched San Diego State Aztecs who showed up. They did show up and they were loud and they got really excited every time they cut the lead to like 12. Um, They're coming back. But yes. So I decided on Monday that I was going to drive out to Houston to go to the, the championship game. I'm a big Yukon fan, as I've mentioned if I, have I ever mentioned that on this podcast? You know, hmm. only, only maybe a maybe, dozen maybe times. Maybe sports talk. I don't know. Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll refresh <laughs> yeah. the audience. No, they, I've talked about it here <laughs> very many times. But yeah, I decided it was like, I'm just going to drive all the way to Houston to go to one basketball game, sleep for like three hours, and then drive back the next morning. Youth. And that's Youth what right I did. There. So I am powering through right now. I am very, very much tired. Um, but it was worth it because they won. And I, I was thinking to myself, I was like, how many times am I going to be in a situation where, like, it's that convenient and it was affordable because the game itself kind of sucked in terms of the matchup and the tickets were the tickets were cheap. And I was thinking about it, like, even if it was here and UConn made it, I would end up having to work because I would have to, like, be there covering it as a, as a media professional. So, like, theoretically speaking, it was the best possible chance I had to go see them win a national championship. Anyway, so that's why we're a day late. But we do have a lot of Saints stuff to talk about. And honestly, because we're a day late, we have extra stuff to talk about in that we're going to go through all of the pre-draft top 30 visits that have come through so far. One in particular stands out. So that's going to be segment one. Segment two, we're going to go into that big name and what that visit actually means. And then in segment three, we're going to kind of break down the top three position groups that we feel like are left to address after I mean, I have to imagine the bulk of free agency. I don't know how many signings are left on the table for the Saints, but it can't be that many. But okay, Steve, so we've teased this enough. Tell everyone the name of the individual that we're going to come up with fancy puns about throughout the draft process that is visiting the Saints, theoretically, right now on Tuesday. Yeah, I don't think it's a huge surprise to folks, but the Tennessee quarterback, Hendon Hooker, uh, maybe a little bit of surprise to folks because the Saints did sign Derek Carr, obviously. Yeah. But, you know, it's going to be interesting. A lot of folks speculating now with this visit coming in is were the Saints going to be targeting him with that 29th pick in round one? Or is this, you know, them doing due diligence on a prospect, possibly a second or third round guy? Because now, you know, as we know with the NFL draft landscape, 
quarterbacks' draft values seem to be on the rise constantly, and you know you're starting to even hear Hendon Hooker's name starting to creep in to first round conversations. To me, that's uh, pretty out of this world, but I wouldn't. I'm not that surprised by it either. No, it's crazy just because nothing. Well, what's changed? Regarding Hendon Hooker, and he hasn't actually nothing. Hasn't done any workouts at the pro day, right? Right. That was it. There hasn't been enough, in my opinion, to to change it that much. But we're going to get into that significantly in the second segment. For now, I just want to go through the rest of the visits that we know of and a signing that happened yesterday, and then I want to touch on you know the linebacker group and and what we feel about it after that signing. So these are the other names. So the interesting one to me is wide receiver Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee, and we know that the Saints have kind of this Tennessee pipeline growing. Right, like it just continues. One of them went out the door at Marquez Callaway. I was going to say one leaves, you got to bring one back. And actually, two left, and Shy Tuttle oh, as well true, was Tennessee. Yeah. So you got to you got to refill the <laughs> cupboard, right? Yeah, obviously you have Alvin Kamara, you have Alante Taylor. Am I missing one? Is Bryce Thompson still on the team? Maybe he was a Tennessee guy. No, it is just them, just those two. Much ado for nothing. But yeah, so I don't know if the fit would make sense with another kind of rail thin speedster receiver to add to your. Covered stocked with real thin speeds to receivers. But, you know, it's it's interesting. And I think if you did bring in Hendon Hooker, it would make a lot of sense to try to pair him with Jalen Hyatt if if you're talking mid-round type type picks. But let's continue down that list. There's five other names that, that I've seen reported. Running back Kendry Miller out of TCU. Defensive end Miles Murphy out of Clemson. Jalen Duncan, left tackle out of Maryland. Carl Brooks, defensive lineman out of Bowling Green, and Corey Trice, cornerback out of Purdue. So not huge names. Right. And, and I think this kind of gives you a picture of, you know, when the Saints are using these these visits, they're doing so to get a look at maybe not the top-end prospects, but the kind of mid-round prospects that they might be taking a run at. Like, you're not seeing these names coming out. Like, they're not looking at, you know, they might bring in a guy like Bryce Young. But, like, that's not, those aren't the... You're talking about top 30 visits. You get Each team gets 30 of them. And you're really kind of going to the middle of the road, guys, and, and seeing what you can uncover on players that you already kind of have an opinion about, I think. Yeah, but the team we know is still in that process of getting the draft board arranged and all, but I'm really surprised there weren't uh, on that list not any defensive tackles, right? Just the defensive end? Yeah. I, I mean... Keep in mind, they get 30 of these, and this is only seven of them. Sure, so, right. And, 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 and not everyone gets announced either. And it, Yeah, and it is it is a difficult thing because you everyone wants to overreact to these visits, and you never you never get a full picture of them, right? Like, yeah, it's always going to be, oh, okay, they brought this guy in, they brought this guy in, they brought this guy in. But you never get all 30. Yeah. So you don't know. And like you mentioned, too, um, you know, with bringing in guys that you know are going to get drafted – well, if if Bryce Young goes number one overall, you got some inside intel on an NFC South opponent you're going to face twice a year because you got to meet with them, and that's valuable info for this team. I mean, just the intel you get from these interviews ends up going in that little storage bank of for future matchups kind of thing. Yeah, or, there, maybe, or maybe even a free agent uh, eventually. Yeah, there are a lot of reasons that that you might bring somebody in, and we have a clip from Mark Ross that we'll play for you in a little bit where he kind of breaks down some of the reasons that, and I thought he did a really good job of it. But first, before we get into that, let's finish out this segment to talk about the only real signing that we've had. And I would guess one of the last signings that we'll have, because you've seen a lot of them so far this off season. And 
I think this is a very underrated signing. The Saints brought back linebacker Andrew Dowell, special teams ace. And I think when you see the Saints really fall in love with a guy on special teams, they they try to keep him around if they can. I think that's what you're getting here. He's a guy who just played his way onto this roster two years ago. And, he could, and it was through just showing up in camp and just flashing repeatedly. And I think it's a situation where everyone wants to talk about linebackers and, oh, man, you're losing so much in Caden Ellis. And I think a good portion of what you have to look at there is like, okay, you develop Caden Ellis. How do you continue to develop people in that room? And I asked Michael Hodges, the Saints linebackers coach, about that when he was out at the LSU Pro Day. And this is what he had to say. Yeah, what does that say about the development that's going on in that room? Because obviously he wasn't earning that deal the first two years of his career. He really walked in. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. I think there's some there's something there. But I, I would also say that, uh, and Demario said this, he's one of our best kept secrets. Mm-hmm. There was just another guy in front of him, so he was doing all the work behind the scenes. Um, but I think it's really an attribute to the kind of guy he is and the effort that he put in, knowing that he wasn't going to be the starter for all those all those other games. And then when the time came uh, for him to get the nod, he he took full advantage of it. How much of an example is he to other younger guys in the room? I think he should be an example to anybody that gets drafted on Saturday that thinks they should have been drafted on Thursday or Friday. I mean, this was a seventh-round pick that all of a sudden got a really lucrative three-year deal. Um, so people aren't paying attention to that and and think that only the guys drafted in the first three rounds are important they are completely missing the boat and that's why going out to these things and those those draft picks on Saturday are incredibly important what he's saying there is is important to remember it's it's like everyone wants the Caden Ellis but where was Caden Ellis two years ago right I think the bigger question is who's the next linebacker to step up in that room is it a Zach Bond is it an Andrew Dowell right? Is it a draft pick? And that's the question you need to answer because you still have your starting linebackers. You still have Pete Werner. You still have Demario Davis. And you probably you probably roll with Zach Bond at the at the Sam just because he, he profiles into that position anyway. But beyond that, you know, who's your backup Will? Who's your backup Mike? And I think Andrew Dell's a guy who, as he kind of continues in his career, maybe a Nephi Sewell is a guy you look at as well. I'd like to see him get more opportunities in the real defense if he and and see how he reacts once he gets those. Dowell's dealt with some injuries since coming to New Orleans, huh? Nothing major. I felt like he's missed some time though. Like, in, was it camp maybe a year or two ago? I, I, I might be thinking of uh, a different player then, but um, I mean, Chase Hansen is like permanently. Oh, injured. yeah, that, that's definitely a linebacker that the Saints absolutely love though, because anytime they get a chance, they bring him back. I wouldn't be surprised, obviously. This year, we talk about depth at that linebacker position, um, which obviously Dowell's a huge piece to keep, uh, along with his special team talents. But yeah, a guy, a guy like Chase Hansen should should be back in the mix because uh, this this team definitely loves him, even though the fact that for whatever reason he's just a guy that cannot stay on the field, and it just it happens every season with him. When you win the Saints over it. That 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 They're seems to be for life. Right. Yeah. Right. Like if the Saints have a high opinion of you, they're going to want to bring you back if they can. And it was what you saw with Mark Ingram, it's what you saw with Malcolm Jenkins, it's what you saw with Ben Watson, right? Like the Saints make a decision and they stick with that decision. Sometimes they'll let guys walk, right? Like Malcolm Jenkins, they didn't pay 
on that big contract when he was going into free agency, but when they had a chance to bring him back, they they jumped at the opportunity, right? And we've talked about it before. This team doesn't pay the safety position. Yes. And Sean Payton really, you know, came out and said, that was a huge mistake letting Malcolm walk out that door. Yeah, and you can you can question it, but I think it is very Especially much— Especially when you know the type of leader he was, too. That's a, yeah. that's a big question. Well, I mean, yeah, like, you can question the methodology, but I don't think there's any question that that is the methodology, <laughs> right? And I think— that's when I get into it with people. It's like, oh, why they they couldn't afford to pay Marcus Williams? Like, no, they could afford to pay Marcus Williams. They chose not to. And like, we can criticize the decision, but we can't pretend that wasn't the decision and why the decision was made. Anyway, I do think I've kind of lost my train of thought there. Oh, 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 yeah, just kind of with like loyalty to players and like Chase Hansen is oh, a good Chase example Hansen, of that, right? Like, he has not been very very productive, but they keep bringing him back because they like him, right? And I think. That's the same case with Andrew Dowell. It's the same case with JT Gray. He serves a role. And my question is, how much more can he do? And because we saw it with Caden Ellis, like the first two years, like people quickly forget that Caden Ellis was just a guy. He he made a lot of plays in camp. And you kind of like I always my my strategy for camp practices is I just make like shorthand notes that are just there to remind me of stuff that I saw. So when I'm kind of rehashing all the things that happened, I just go through and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, that happened. Okay, yeah, 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 there's a note, there's a note. And usually it's like Caden Ellis pass breakup. You know, this player, you know, got made a nice stuff. This player got through in the run game. And Caden Ellis was a guy that I wrote his name down a lot, even though he wasn't contributing on the field. And I feel like you, you see similar things with Andrew Dow. He's always around the ball. He's always making effort plays. And I think that eventually does translate into opportunities down the line. I think that's what you saw. You heard from Michael Hodges, and he's a guy who obviously knows a thing or two, and I think he's done a really good job with that linebacker group. So I'm I'm intrigued. Definitely, and we've seen the development, obviously, of a Caden Ellis. When he came in as a seventh-round pick, he was not that guy last year, obviously. Not anywhere near that guy. Exactly, and I know there was those games where you saw him, especially to me, it was a dropping back in coverage. I thought that really... He stepped up his game there, and he was always decent against the run. Uh, was able to contribute on special teams. A good, you know, solid tackler. But man, being able to drop back and 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 cover, uh, I didn't I didn't see that coming from him. And was hoping they could resign him, but the the money that Atlanta gave was just going to be. It's you know we've seen it before happen with players that you'd like to keep, but the other the price tag just gets too high for you, aka. You know, you look at uh, what happened with the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, with Trey Hendrickson. With Trey Hendrickson, yeah. yeah. And everyone was blew a gasket because he ended up, you know, dominating and, and racking up sacks over there. Right. But that's what the whole point of development, right? Like, you feel like you can develop another guy like that. And that's and that's the question. Unfortunately, yeah, Marcus Davenport yeah. was not that guy. Yeah, right. And, it, and that's the thing with Trey. Everyone forgets, like, you, you were invested in Marcus Davenport. You didn't have a choice. Like, you weren't going to say, we're going to keep Trey and let Marcus walk. Like you couldn't do that. It would just undo it and unjustifiable, especially because Trey has never been a run player, and the Saints highly value run stopping defensive ends. I think the way Dennis Allen would put it, he says the big man's game, and he's he's not wrong. It is a big man's game. And the frustrating thing, obviously, you know, too, with Davenport, when the dude's healthy, yeah, it's just a beast out there, and is that power and speed combo is hard to, you know, you put a a match to. He just uh, hopefully doesn't find that success now yeah. in Minnesota. I got into a rant on the last podcast. You weren't on it, but I talked about how it, if people want to be mad at somebody in terms of like poaching Saints coaches and players, they should be mad at Terry Font, though. Because <laughs> not only is he doing it, like Sean Payton, as as 
much as he knows about the Saints and kind of how they operate, you know, the head coach doesn't have like an intimate understanding of the way you negotiate contracts and kind of the the numbers that go into it and how the restructures work and stuff like that and how the dead money hits. Terry Fontenot does. And Terry Fontenot has used that knowledge very, very effectively in that, like you look at the David Onyemata contract and he paid him $9 million more than what the Saints paid him when Terry was on the staff in, uh, I want to say, 2019. Uh, it was a three-year, $26 million, $26 million deal. And so you look at the contract that David had and was coming off of, and he's a $10 million cap charge. And so what they did was they paid him $10 million more than they knew the Saints were would have even considered paying him because that's what they paid him at the peak of his powers yeah. three years ago. So for the Saints... You were you would be willing to go high on what you thought that value was because you're saving ten million dollars this year if you do it. So they made sure to offer a contract that was ten million dollars above what the Saints were willing to offer previously, which negated any savings you would have had. They made sure that if the Saints were going to try to match that deal, it would cost them the same amount that they would save against the dead cap. And that is number was driven by something, and I think it was Terry Fontenot's internal understanding of how the Saints just kind of organized things in their heads. And the same thing would be true with Caden Ellis. Like, I guarantee you he's doing the math in his head, and he's like, I know exactly what they'll be willing to pay, and I'm going to make him an offer that they will not even consider. What do you think it is with everyone we rave about, obviously, the Saints being able to maneuver how they want with the salary cap? You know, the the number is kind of like a figment of your imagination with this team, and they're able to, you know, play and still be, you know, dealers in the marketplace why has why hasn't anybody come after a guy like a, a Kai Harley when you think about what he's been able to do massaging the cap numbers and you know you hear all this he's the man behind the numbers behind Mickey Loomis that ends up getting it done and I, I was surprised you you know with with Terry Fontenot I was surprised since he knows so intimately about Kai Harley as well why Atlanta hasn't tried to poach him over there which I'm glad they have I mean we who's to say they haven't <laughs> right is it something where I'm I'm happy where I am I'm not I don't know I mean <laughs> I, I it, there's no way to know whether he's been he's been called contacted, or interviewed right. or contacted um but I also do think like the Saints are willing to operate the way they are and it makes him invaluable to them if another team decided to go all in on the kind of restructure methodology then maybe they would but <laughs> I don't I, I can't name another team that has really done that, and so, to in, in that sense, I don't know if it if that if that role exists on another team the way it does on the Saints. But if if a team decided, hey, we want to really start doing this, then yeah, I'm sure he would be on the short list. Um, but one more question before we close out this segment. So you know, you look at the Saints linebacker group, right? And I'll just go through the names on here right now, and I'm just curious how you feel about that group as a whole and whether you would want to see more names added. So you have Pete Warner and Demario Davis, obviously, right? Those are the starters. Those are the guys you're really confident in. Then it gets kind of iffy, right? You have Zach Bond, who is a third-round pick, but he is definitely underwhelmed. You have Ryan Connolly, who's a 27-year-old guy who came out of Wisconsin, not not really familiar with him. Exactly. DeMarco Jackson was a fifth-round pick last year. You didn't really Don't see him at him all. Either. He looked decent in camp, but then he got hurt, missed the whole season. Andrew Dowell, as we mentioned. Nephi Sewell, who I think played really well in camp, didn't really get any time on the field as a rookie, spent out on the practice squad, but they kept him around. They like him. Ty Summers, who you know I didn't, fi- I didn't even realize was on the roster until 
you know, the last week of the season when he when he got hurt. <laughs> and then that's about it. Like if you want to call Zach Wood a linebacker, he's a long snapper. How do you like? I feel like there's one piece missing, and I'm just not sure what it is. I think it's that definite rotational piece yeah. that you can rely on, kind of thing. Like you mentioned, you know, you've got Pete Warner, Demario Davis. You're set right there, but after that, you know, there, there's still a lot of questions because how much experience is there in that depth right now? Yeah. And besides special teams, we haven't really seen those guys or preseason even doing doing much on the field in a regular season action for the team. Yeah, I think my biggest question is like, is there a single guy on this roster in terms of a linebacker that can play multiple spots? And I don't think there is. So if like last year you had Pete Werner go down and you knew it was going to be Caden Ellis, like it was no question who was going to fill in. I don't know who that is this year. You know, maybe you bring Chase Hansen back. He's not on the roster right now. Um, and as much as I want to see something from Zach Bond, I do know he's not that guy. Yeah, he can't play the will. Right. There's no, he, he's just not mobile enough to play the will. <laughs> he maybe could play the mic. He maybe could get downhill and be kind of a run stopping, run stuffing linebacker in the middle of the field. But that's tough. Like you have to drop up the seam, and I don't know if he can do that. So, like, that's what I, like, maybe Nephi Sewell can do that. I think he kind of profiles to the will. He's, he's very mobile. He's a smaller linebacker. He can move. Maybe he kind of grows into that role. There's a lot of maybes. Yeah, it's a lot of unproven's. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the one thing I have. I would like to see one veteran linebacker brought in who, that's if he had to right. start, you would at least feel comfortable with it. You know, like even like a Jalen Smith, who I thought was atrocious for the Giants <laughs> last year, but at least can tackle. That I think that is a piece that's missing right now. And so if you go forward and you get into camp, I wouldn't be surprised if they go into camp with the numbers you have. If they even if they don't make a draft pick. And then throughout camp, maybe you you scour and see, okay, who's falling off a roster somewhere else? Like A.J. Klein is a good example of someone you brought in. And, like, I don't know if he was really a top-of-the-market guy, but you just he's a guy you trust, and you know he's a veteran. He's going to do the job. Juan was a good example of that, too. Um, I just think there's, there's one piece missing. Yeah, and I think, like you said, that veteran piece is going to be important. It's definitely not something that I think uh, we're talking about experience and having that know-how on the field, obviously, that's that's not something you're going to be searching for in the draft. At least, I don't think. Unless you're drafting it very early, and it's just not, that's just not something the Saints have done, <laughs> right? Pete Werner was the was the exception, exception to that rule. Like Steph, since Stephon Anthony, they really have not gone after linebackers in the draft. Zach Bond was a third round pick, and that didn't work. Um, that was more. I think that was one of those 2020. Yeah, why not picks? You know, because we haven't scouted well enough. But yeah, I think that's going to be interesting to watch. But all right. Let's wrap up that segment. We're going to come back and we're going to talk a lot more about Hendon Hooker and, you know, why he was brought in and, you know, what that visit actually means. Does it mean they're really interested despite drafting Derek? I'm sorry, despite signing Derek Carr? He's an old man. They need a new guy. Maybe. I don't know. So this is Inside Black and Gold. If you haven't subscribed yet, do that. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. Hit the subscribe button. Leave a rating. Leave a review. Comma, please. I'm, I'm just texting on my phone using Siri, actually. That's what's going on. That's, that's what I did on, the, on my five-hour drive back from Houston. Hey, Siri, comma. <laughs> anyway, we'll be back. And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. 
Hendon Hooker is presumably somewhere in the city of New Orleans right now, or hopefully not eating at TJ Fridays. I think that that tradition ended with Byron Scott and Chris Paul. Did you ever have you ever heard that story? No, I was like, wait a minute, where are you going with this? Are you going to say Chipotle because of Derek Carr? No, well, Chipotle, yeah, the Chipotle is the new TGI Fridays, <laughs> apparently. No, so there's this really funny story about when Byron Scott brought Chris Paul to TGI Fridays. Sure did. So Chris Paul didn't want to come here. Chris Paul didn't want to come on a workout, like a pre-draft workout. And this, the Pelicans, actually, the Hornets at the time. <laughs> We're like, we're going to draft you, so you should just come because it's not going to stop us from drafting you. And he was like, well, God damn it, fine. I'll go down there. And he does the pre-draft workout, and then Byron Scott is like, let's go to dinner, and he takes him to TGI Fridays. <laughs> wow. So, like, that was what when I when I posted that previously, someone replied that it was like a Katrina thing. But as we just looked up, because I, I, I hadn't actually fact-checked that until just now. This was in June. <laughs> This was prior to Katrina, so there was no, like, oh, we're rebuilding, and Tree Jai Fridays is the only restaurant available. No, Byron Scott, I think that fit his personality, if you remember Byron Scott. Anyway, so I don't. I hope I hope for the Saints' sake they are not taking Hendon Hooker to TGI Fridays. I'm going to put a m- money on Drago's or, like, an Emerald, something like that. Possibly, possibly. Uh, Jordan Hawkins, the UConn shooting guard, got food poisoning from calamari in Houston, so hopefully they're not feeding him any rotten calamari. But yeah, so let's talk more about that. And and I thought Mark Ross is an NFL Network um, analyst, former NFL executive. He had a really good breakdown of some of the reasons you will bring in a player for a visit. You get 30 of them. Each team gets 30 of them. But it's not always like, oh, we're going to draft this guy. We're going to bring him in. There's a lot of other reasons, and sometimes it's literally just you're trying to trick somebody into thinking you have interest in a guy that you actually don't. I'm not saying that's the case here, but I think he does a really good job of, uh, of explaining this. So here it is. There's really like five main buckets of why you would bring a player in. Number one is you just want to feel comfortable with the player. Not many issues, but you just want to bring them into your building like a Will Levis. Nothing really wrong off the field. You just want to have him around your building because he's such a high prospect. Everybody feel comfortable. Number two, if they have some issues off the field with character like a Jalen Carter, you want to bring them into your facility to have everybody talk to him, get, get work him out, talk to him, get and see what kind of person he is so you feel comfortable with him. Number three, it's the medical. If guys have some sort of medical issues like a Hendon Hooker to bring him in, get him with your team doctors to check that ACL out, have everybody pull and tear and tug at him even more so than they did at the combine. Number four is not the top prospects, but there's guys people don't realize. You got the draft, but then after the draft, there's hundreds and hundreds of guys, players that don't get drafted, that you bring them in to sort of recruit them to sign them as a free agent. And the fifth and final one is, when you're not really interested in a player, but as you're playing a little bit of subterfuge of we're bringing this player in, trying to throw everybody off the scent. Wow, X team really loves this guy. We got to either jump ahead of them or sort of trade with them to sort of get your guy. So you're going to see a bunch of prospects who will have legitimate reasons why team bring, brings them in. But then there's also that game where teams play of, hey, man, we don't really like them, but we're going to make teams think that. So don't believe everything you see and read and hear about these visits, Steve. He wasn't talking to you, but is, I'm talking to Steve. But yeah, Mark Ross is really good. I, I don't know why he doesn't have more followers on Twitter. We've had him on Sports Talk before. He's been very helpful, and he does a good way of explaining things. And I think that he did a really good job breaking that down. And if you look at one of all of those options and you want to pick one, 
that really probably explains this Hendon Hooker visit is number three from what Mark just explained. And this is a guy who tore his ACL. He had a complete tear of his ACL late in his college career. He did not work out at the Senior Bowl. He was there. He didn't work out. He didn't work out at the Combine. He didn't work out at his pro day. The Saints want their doctors to get a look at him. They want to get a picture of how he's doing. And obviously, yeah, you're still also trying to get a, a more in-depth picture of the guy as a, as a player, as a person, and that's always important. The Saints value that process greatly. But I don't think this is a first-round gambit. I think this is a, if we end up in the third or fourth round, he's still on the board, you know, at 71 or whatever the fourth-round pick is, and we are like, hey, maybe let's pull a trigger, right? We want to know all the information. We don't want to be guessing. We want to have every available piece of information that we can have, and you're already going to be operating in a deficit because he hasn't been participating in these on-field drills. So, you know, I think there's a lot of conversation about 29. I would be stunned, absolutely stunned, if the Saints are even considering using that first-round pick on Hendon Hooker just because if you were even in that state of mind and you were, like, thinking he's a franchise-type quarterback, which you would have to be to use that pick there, you wouldn't have done what you did not sign Derek Carr. The only reason for me I wouldn't be as shocked or blown away by it is because with that first-round selection, you get that extra year, and I feel like you know, you're going to have Hendon Hooker pretty much taking a red shirt this season. Yeah, but, I mean, if he's good, you would just – it wouldn't change this, the game that much because – if you get to that third season and you're not playing him, does that change that much? I mean, you could extend him. And, I mean, you're, you're doing it if you think, like, this is like a Pat Mahomes situation. Yeah. And if you thought that, what's changed in the last month that's that's changed your opinion of him that strongly? Because you committed $150 million to Derek Carr, and you're committed to trying to win with Derek Carr. So not taking a piece that is going to actively help you win with the quarterback you yeah, just that's brought the big in one for sure. and with an aging roster, you would have to be so committed to Hendon Cook, Hendon Cooker, Hendon Hooker that that it, it would just have never made sense to sign Derek. You would have gone and tried to get Jimmy Garoppolo or someone more affordable. Or hey, Jameis, we're bringing you back as right, the starter. Right, we're you would have Hooker tried to you. get a bridge, and you did not. Derek Carr is not a bridge, at least not in the sense that. You're bringing in a guy that you anticipate is is your franchise cornerstone, which if you're taking him in the first round, he has to be. No, I feel that same way too. If, if that first round pick, obviously, you have your quote unquote quarterback, your guy now. You, you got to put something either offensive line yeah. or just something to help him out. Well, I mean, look at Aaron Rodgers. Like, I don't, I'm not saying Derek Carr is Aaron Rodgers. I think he would handle the situation a lot better <laughs> than Aaron Rodgers did when they drafted Jordan Love, but. It's a similar situation of like, guys, I'm here to win for you. I need you to help me help you. And the Packers did not do that. And they're still not doing that. But, yeah, it's, you know, this is funny because I am being very contradictive of my own take in this segment because you go back like a month and there's evidence of this on Twitter. And I do need to tweet like a corrective or at least like a... Uh Uh-oh, what's your back? It's not not a corrective so much as a, a caveat. In that I tweeted earlier in this process, and we, we I said this on the podcast, is if you're taking Hendon Hooker in this draft, you would take him as your future franchise quarterback. You would take him at 29. You would not wait to 40. You would not wait till 71. 
But at that point, I'm operating on the information of the Saints have no one under contract but Jameis Winston. And if that if you're going into the draft under that scenario and you're drafting a guy who you expect to be your starter, you have to do that at 29 if you are committed to it. Now that Derek Carr is on the roster, that changes in my opinion because you are you are inevitably not drafting your immediate starter. You are drafting a project because it has to be a project. Otherwise, you wouldn't you wouldn't have done this to begin with. So I, I did. I am changing my take completely in that regard. But that's what happens when you have a cemented starting quarterback, which the Saints do now. Right. I'm sure that was different then. Obviously, yeah, they didn't have Derek Carr. Now, now the thing is, too, though, what if this pre-draft process that they go through with Hooker and they're like. Man, this this guy's like the deck Steve McNair. What or could something. he do? <laughs> He's still not working out. I guess you are. You have to look at his his tape, obviously. <laughs> but and and, I, and all I keep hearing about you say Steve Young. Uh, no, Steve McNair. I was gonna say because Taysom Hill is the next Steve Young, <laughs> right? Clearly. <laughs> but there, there to me, you know, you keep hearing about this leadership, um, his personality, and obviously, I guess that could win you over. But yeah, there's nothing. In a workout wise, that he's going to wow you right now. Uh, the only good part I keep hearing is that, according to him, his doctor says he will be cleared in time for training camp. Oh no, I think he can win the Saints over, and I think the Saints are interested in him. I don't think this is a mirage. I think that they're bringing him in because they feel like he might be a guy they end up drafting. But I just do not see him being on the on the table for them at twenty nine, right? Unless unless every single first round graded prospect they have is off the board, and he's the next highest, and it just makes sense. But even then, that would be a... That you Trade down. Or, I mean, I don't even know. Yeah, it just would not. It, it, would be a, it would be a really rough look. And again, like, I don't think that you rule out drafting a quarterback just because you have Derek Carr. But no, they need to develop that. We've talked about that. He came here because you committed to him. Right. Right? Like, and... And in, in drafting a quarterback at number 29, you would be undermining that promise. And it would just be a rough, like, if I'm Derek Carr and I kind of made, you committed to me and I committed to you, and then the first thing you do is draft my replacement. You start getting those Raiders feelings again where I'm not wanted. This is not the atmosphere that I want to be in. So, yeah, yeah I totally get that. Right. Like, it's a it's a, it's a a holistic thing. Like, you're, you're trying to build his confidence, not undermine it. It'd be like you getting hired at a new job and, oh, by the way, this is Johnny. He's going to yeah. be doing the same thing. He's your assistant. And if this was next year... <laughs> I would feel differently. Like year one, you have holes. Like this team is not ironclad. Like there are holes on this team that can be addressed in the draft and can be addressed at twenty nine and forty. What could those holes be? Well, we're gonna get into that. <laughs> we're gonna get into that. But not only would you not be addressing those holes, you would also be sacrificing a roster spot. And I think that's what people need to remember is if you draft Hendon Hooker, not only are you adding a quarterback and sacrificing the ability to add a first-round prospect at a position of need? You are also adding a third quarterback that you have to keep on the roster. You cannot put him on the practice squad because you would have to cut him and he would get claimed like this. Right. And you signed Jameis Winston. Like, you reduced his salary, but you're not cutting him. He's your backup. So you would be committing to having three quarterbacks on the roster plus Taysom Hill who is now kind of useless in that emergency role, like you're losing that kind of maneuverability and that actually is a benefit to you. So it hurts you in terms of, okay, you're going to have to cut, you're going to have to make a, another difficult cut somewhere else. 
because you're making this pick. And that would be true at at one, two, three, wherever you drafted him. But it does complicate things. And I think for a team that does feel like it has playoff ambitions this year, that's a that's a tough thing to swallow. And it, it would have to be that that analysis, that scouting on him would have to be perfect. Like his grade would have to be so far above what you would consider to be a project to go in the first round. It just makes zero sense. And again, like third, fourth round, I'm on board. Bring him in. I think that would be great. You also kind of split the difference of having to deal with the fact that he's already 25 and he might not start his first NFL game until he's 27. But again, I I think that this visit, we get back to kind of the visit itself. I think it is very much about, okay, how is his health coming along? He can say all he wants that he's going to be ready for training camp. What do but our I doctors need my, say? Yeah, exactly. I need my staff to look Does at Does he have cancer? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Would it be a Debbie Downer? Does his staff? heart beat the right way? <laughs> you know? I mean, I'm just saying it's something that we've seen, right? That's why these doctors are important. That's why these physicals are important because you you don't know. You're getting reports from other people, and you want them just be right, able to like, that, uh, go sig- get, sit under RMRI for a minute. Thanks. Hooker could be leaving out some significant information his doctor is telling him and just sharing or the his positive doctor, going, going, hey, yeah, he's ready to go. Or his doctor could just be wrong. <laughs> like, that was the thing. So, Foster Morrow, and, you know, we I feel like we've talked about this three podcasts in a row, but he had a, he had a I think it was with the Bengals. He had a physical with the Bengals. And the nothing. day before he had his physical with the Saints, yeah, and they gave him a clean bill of health. Yeah, that's completely not, wild, and makes you wonder what's up with the Bengals medical staff. Not I, all doctors do the same job. Yeah, and to be fair, they they probably weren't, just weren't looking for it. They're making sure his back works and his knees work, and his, you know, uh, they weren't. They're, this is not something they were on the alert for. But the Saints, the Saints found it. Good for him and good for them. But. That's why you do it. That's why you're doing it. This is not a, oh, man, the Saints are all in on Hender Hooker. That's not what these visits mean. And, yeah, I think Mark Mark broke it down well. A little off topic there. As you mentioned, Foster Morrow, and the team didn't ever address the tight end position again in free agency, so you would be led to believe that's still a quote-unquote area need. I do wonder, you know, there's a question there, which is were you bringing in Foster Morrow because – you were very much in need of a tight end, or were you bringing in Foster Morrow because you wanted a pass catcher that could act as kind of a security blanket who Derek Carr knows What's familiar, and trusts? Right. And did Brian Edwards kind of fill that as a backup option, even though he's not a tight end? Right? And I think that that might be what happened. That's a great point because he's is another a big body receiver. Right. It's, he's not a tight end, but he's 6'3", 215. Yeah. In the sense that you're looking for a kind of security blanket contested catch guy, I think that that might be what happened is you were looking to bring him in as just for the familiarity and you kind of reverse course and went with Brian. Um, but no, I think, you know, we're going to get into the positions of need and that's a that's a question. Is, is tight end a position of need? You know, is linebacker a position of need? We already got into that and uh, we're going to get into a little bit more of that. So let's wrap this segment up. We're going to come back one more segment. We're going to talk about which positions, maybe the top three positions the Saints still need to address, whether it be through free agency or the draft. This is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. Let's do it.
And we're back. One more segment here on Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Noack. Got that husky hangover. He's Steve Geller. Yes, I am drooping. We we are actually recording this in studio. New location. Yeah, we're trying something else. Hopefully the audio sounds a lot better and it will justify us doing it in here. We don't have video on this one. So if the sound comes through really well, we'll have to find a way to jerry-rig some video uh, components into this going forward. But for now, we're just kind of trying it out. I think it is a nice setup because we're in comfortable chairs and we're in the same room. And you don't have to worry about my internet being janky. Yes, the internet's not janky and like there's no delay. So like what what would happen is I would start talking. It would be there's like a Geico commercial like this where he's like on a speakerphone. He's like, I don't know. Oh, wait, go ahead. Anyway, and because we were slightly delayed, I would start talking then you would start talking over me. And but in your world, on your side of the screen, I hadn't started talking yet. So we're live in front of each other. Yes, live and in person. <laughs> but yeah, so hopefully this this is coming through well. And if not, we'll never do it again. But <laughs> I was going to say, watch, uh, listenership goes down after this podcast. Yeah. Were you recording in tin cans? Right. What's this? What is this garbage? We're like, hey, we're in WWL studio. We sure are. Um, but yeah, this, this seems a lot fancier. So we'll, we'll find out. Um, I, I, I imagine the acoustics are slightly better as well, considering this. That's what this room is built. I to feel do. like I have a decent setup in my office, obviously, because I do a lot of recording, though. So I think yeah, this has to be. I mean, I think prime. I have a decent setup too, but that's literally <laughs> what this room was built for. So I'd hope it's a lot slightly better. Plus, we have a we have a view anyway. So yes, this is not the this is not the programming note. But we are missing our, our pets. This is true. <laughs> yeah, my dog is not barking in the background. Although he's probably barking somewhere. All right. So positions of need. Positions of need. This is inside black and gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's <laughs> Steve Geller. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. You can follow Steve on Twitter at Steve Geller WWL. You can follow my bracket, my championship bracket on CBS oh, Sports. Championship bracket. Fun fact: I had the worst <laughs> bracket in our pool in terms really of did. total overall correct picks, but I won it by forty. Unbelievable! Because. I won it by more yeah, points. Yeah, well, we already established that. <laughs> I won it by more points than I got correct picks. Yeah. I got 31 correct picks. How many games are there in the bracket? I don't even know. It was a lot more than that. Anyway, so we're going to talk positions of need. And I think that the Saints have done a good job of addressing a majority of these in that you go into the draft and you are not actively saying, gosh, we desperately need this position. We desperately need that position, right? You handled quarterback, you handled defensive tackle, at least to an extent, so you feel a little more comfortable about it. You re-signed Andrew Dallas, you kind of handled linebacker. Uh, you know, uh, beyond that, uh, you have some questions. The position that I think we can get into first is, uh, actually, we have a clip queued up. So let's let's hear from this player, and you can guess who it is while he's talking. When you get into the end zone, do you say to yourself, you know what, like this NFL thing, like I got this, like this is not that hard. No, I wouldn't say that. It's more just I'm just grateful for the opportunity that I even got a chance to, you know, touch in a football or even play on Sundays. That's that's my outlook on it. Um, of course, it's a great feeling to, to, you know, be able to score points for your team. But, you know, just the opportunity, it means so much more. So that was Rashid Shahid, And I do think that he is an interesting question going into this offseason. And your commitment to him in terms of a starting role, to me, is directly related to how much of a need wide receiver is in the draft. Because if you are kind of committed to him being that, you know, Z receiver across from Mike Thomas with Olave working out of the slot or vice versa. I'm excited um, thinking about it. 
Yeah, <laughs> it, but if you are, if that's how you feel going forward, then you know Brian Edwards bring you brought in Brian Edwards at, as kind of that contested catch guy, and I think you are in good shape at wide receiver. If you aren't as committed, if you're thinking you know we're going to still kind of incorporate him slowly, and we're not completely sold on his overall game, we still feel like he is at he is first and foremost a return ace who can contribute in the offense, but is not going to be a every down contributor, then that changes the equation. But to me, I think it's a pretty safe bet that he's going to be a very important piece of this offense. Yeah, the only reason that I would put wide receivers still as a quote-unquote need for this squad is just because the uncertainty surrounding Michael Thomas and so great that he's back. They got the deal done, worked out, and you you said that Michael Thomas, Olave, and Shahid that that for Derek Carr is is phenomenal, I think. But can how how long can you rely on Michael Thomas to stay on the field? Will he be able to start the season? There's all kinds of questions, obviously health wise with him. So I would still like them to address the position more and bring in a, another young talent. Even though we talked about it a little uh, bit before getting on the podcast, they do have a guy that's been stashed away because he was serving a suspension in Kawan Baker, but by no means is he even close to being a Michael Thomas type of guy. Kawan the Baker, the touchdown <laughs> yes, maker. Yes, indeed. That's um, a, like an old giant I stole that from. Stephen Baker, the touchdown maker. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, and the thing with Mike Thomas is like, yeah, even if he is incredibly good this year, he's on a one-year deal. So if he plays himself into a giant contract, you might have to move on from him either way. <laughs> right. So, like, he's not, even if he is healthy and productive this year, that doesn't mean that you have solved your wide receiver situation for the next four or five years. So in that sense, I agree with you, but I still wouldn't put it in my top three. Yeah, I totally understand. Right. So like, I think more of a a luxury. We can, if we can make a second category here in terms of, (laughs) it's not set. The position is not like fully set, but it's not in my top three positions where I think they need to make a move. Right. That seems fair. Yeah. And I'm going to put running back in that as well. Agree totally <laughs> because you added Jamal Williams, but you still have a question with Alvin Kamara, and, and not so, health. It's a suspension deal, right? And and he's getting older. Both these guys are older, right? Both these guys are in their late twenties, so you know you're gonna want to infuse some youth there at some point. And so I think wide receiver and running back to me both fall into the category of I wouldn't mind seeing them invest a draft pick, yeah. But I don't think it's it's a it's more of a a, a low end want. Than a, than a than a low-end need. I totally get that. And the exciting thing I think about the running back position is obviously it's so stacked this year. Uh, my one crazy mock draft where I ended up with Bijan, I was so mad going through the rest of the rounds, though, seeing you know countless number of running back names popping up, uh, especially like in the third, fourth round. I was like, man, I'd love to add him, but I just wasted my first-round pick on Bijan. That makes no sense right now. But this this draft class... Uh, stock with running back talent. Also, uh, we've mentioned as well tight end, which is kind of on that borderline need. Yeah. So so first off, there's two other positions I want to add to that group so yeah. that we can kind of get them out of the way and then go through the rest. So quarterback, <laughs> I think, is kind of also in that, like, sure, if they want to take a Hendon Hooker in the fourth round, I'm okay with it, but I don't feel like you need to do it. So I'm going to put that also in kind of the put it off to the side. No, because we get aggravated. Yeah, every year it's like, why don't the Saints develop any arm talent? You know, why haven't they been developing a quarterback, and you got a guy like Luton still around, but, I mean, that's not... You said his name right. I, I've been practicing. Yeah, good job. Yeah, he's, he's a tall dude, nice hair. I figure I better learn his name. <laughs> he does have nice hair. It's uh, very the, flowing. The, uh, the, the, yeah, the, the Saints, you know, it's been a complaint for this team, and I don't have a problem with 
them taking that quarterback, as we've been saying later on, because you have other areas to supplement when you've already signed a big-ticket quarterback. Yes, I agree. There's So one other position that I think is very much set, and it would be a luxury pick, cornerback. I know. It's so tough, though, because you always you never have enough. Um, but, yeah, right. with, with Lattimore, I could see Adibo, them drafting a cornerback, but I'm just saying in terms of needing to do it, I think that they are mostly set there. Like, they, I, I would be honestly surprised if they don't draft a cornerback. But I'm just, in the sense of this kind of discussion, it's like, do they need to draft a quarterback, or can they just stay and be comfortable? As is, right. And I think that they fall, the when you have four startable cornerbacks, you know, it's very much a luxury to add a fifth. Yeah, definitely. And the good thing, too, is a lot of, a lot of young talent at that position. Right, right. Marshawn Latimer is your oldest player at that position. <laughs> it's wild, right? Yeah. Um, anyway, okay. So, cornerback, take off that list. And then special teams, I think you're set there. Obviously, you have questions with Lutz, but you brought him back. For better or worse, he's going to be your kicker. So you're And you're not replacing Gillikin. You just re-signed him. So, I think you're set at special teams. Yeah, they'll find some kicker to bring in. Obviously, we see it every year during training camp. For that competition. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't <laughs> yeah, have, well, let's take all the kicking reps. Um, and then special teams in terms of you brought back JT Gray. Right, so you feel big. comfortable about the, you know, your gunner on that side. And you're really, I don't think you're bringing in another player to be a gunner, but you do have to find the other gunner. And it could be Isaac Yadam. You brought him back. He was pretty good in that role last year. So I think you're set there. So in, in the sense of I'm taking them off of, in the out of the running Needs. for the top three yeah. is... Wide receiver, running back, quarterback, cornerback, special teams. Which leaves us with defensive tackle, safety, linebacker, interior line. <laughs> exterior line doesn't make sense. <laughs> your, your tackles. Yeah, right. And your tight ends. I'm going to take safety and put it kind of in the middle. Agreed there, like too, because they have decent depth there. You at least have your starters, <laughs> right? Like you have two established starters, and a, a, a draft pick would be very much depth. And, like, injury support. So whenever you have established starters at both positions and you aren't going to question, even if you draft somebody, whether they're going to start or not, then I think that does kind of lower it, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at things here, and I don't know if this is a current roster that Ugu Amadi? Amadi. Yeah, he, he was actually— That's the, one of those names I'm looking at. I'm like, when did we get this done? He was the first player the Saints drafted or, or signed in free agency. A very, very low level. But you did sign Jonathan, Jonathan Abram. Abram, right. Uh, Lonnie Johnson could theoretically play safety or cornerback. He actually played more snaps at safety last year, so you have that. And then there is one other player that I th- you're, you're smiling. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah, because it's a name that everybody loves. Say it. Well, we're not smoking on Sunday, ah, but we're know. smoke Monday. But you are baby. smoking before Tuesday. <laughs> Amen. Uh, that's the, you know obviously probably the best name on the roster, mm-hmm. and uh, but you know haven't gotten to see enough from that young kid. And will definitely be, com- cons- you know, competing for special team snaps, and could end up a valuable on a backup rotation kind of thing. Yeah, and uh, Daniel Sorensen's a free agent. I wouldn't be surprised if they bring him back on a low level deal ahead of free agency, maybe a camp body or ahead of ahead of camp as just a kind of a camp body. Yeah, he got cr- so much criticism. I remember last year coming in and it was like, well, God help us if we ever need him in coverage. But man, when oh, they man, they had to put him in. He played pretty he, well. Yeah, exactly. It was that guy in the right place at the right time? What, what was it? Two picks yeah. on the season. And then, and then P.J. Williams is the other guy that's kind of still floating around. 
So Justin Evans is not Justin Evans signed with the Eagles. And so, yeah, I think that's kind of a position where you're comfortable at. So I, I'm I'm comfortable floating that up to the group above and saying you don't need to draft a guy there, even though maybe they do and just kind of adds, adds competition. What do you think? I would be – I'd still have it in the – So somewhere between those two? Yeah, because, too, though, you know, your, your starters, though, they're, they're a little bit up there yeah. in age, too. But, again, not my top three. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed with that. Okay. So I'm going to say the same thing with – Right tackle and left tackle. I actually feel pretty comfortable about that. Definitely. You spent the first round pick at your left tackle position last year. Right. You still have James Hurst, which I think that to me, that is the big luxury (laughs) of having James Hurst who can play either tackle spot or shift inside to guard. And then you have Trevor Penning, who you expect to be your long term left tackle. You have Ryan Ramchek, who you feel very comfortable about, even though he's getting up there in age. And then in terms of a backup right tackle who, with experience, I feel like Landon Young is solid. You know, right. he was a seventh-round pick from a few years ago, maybe a sixth-round pick out of, out of Kentucky. I can't remember. But I, I feel like you're okay at the tackle spots. And, you you know, one of the guys they did bring in to uh, Storm Norton, Storm Norton also, yep. uh, another tackle, yep. right? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I think, you're, I think you're in decent shape there. Maybe you bring back Ethan Greenwich. And you kind of go from there, but I don't feel like I feel I put that in the same range of safety of like maybe you do draft a young tackle with an eye on and a couple years replacing Ramcheck, but I'm not making it a priority in the top three rounds. No, and you you mentioned before getting into all this through that yeah that interior though is a different story. Yes. So we have now landed on four positions left, and we have three spots that we're going to fill. So out of Defensive tackle, linebacker, interior, offensive line, and tight end. Who, which, what would you eliminate from that group and say that was that is the f- least important position that you have left to address? Oof. That's tough, but I'd have to go, I guess, with tight end because you just brought really? you just yeah you signed Juwan. Hopefully, we see something from Troutman, hmm. and uh, I guess the development of Lucas Kroll maybe okay. could could be something. But to me, yeah, the defensive line, the interior of that defense, too, and then wide receiver, I'm, I really want to hammer. Oh, we already left wide receiver out. What was the other? I'm sorry. What was the, and, uh, defensive tackle, linebacker, interior line. Oh, linebacker, yeah, just yeah. because of uh, the inexperience there, which you're going to bring in another, you know, obviously young guy. I, I guess linebacker may be more of that veteran free agents still out there. Yeah. But I I could st- I could see them drafting someone as well even though you brought up it hasn't been too much success in those early rounds for linebacker with this team. Right. See, I'm I'm taking linebacker out. And the and the reason being I want to see what some of these guys have and I'm not going to I'm not going to overreact right now to a potential injury 6 months from now. Right? Like I I want to see what the right. young guys have whereas if I'm going to that draft and I feel like I, I, I've had this perceived need at tight end, and I'm in a draft with so many good tight ends. That's a good point, too. Like like the running back position, that is stocked. Like, I'm not going to draft for need, but I am going to make it a must for me that in a draft where I have a need for tight end, I have a an underperforming tight end who's in the final year of his deal, and I have a receiving tight end who is improving as a blocker, but is still not a, a legit blocking tight end. I'm making it a must for me to come out of that draft 
with, you know, even like a even like a Payne Durham, like one of these kind of lower end of the spectrum tight ends who are still profiles of potential starting tight end in the NFL, right? Like Luke Schoonmaker, I think is a name. Like guys like that. You know, I don't know if you're going to be able to justify a second round pick on a Darnell Washington, right? Or uh, who's the kid out of Utah? Blinking. Not Musgrave. Musgrave's Oregon State. Don't. Don Kincaid. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you're going to be able to justify that or Michael Mayer. It's a little high, but, you know, again, we've. I've seen some mocks with Michael Mayer yeah. for the Saints in round one. Yeah. No, he's he's getting getting mocked at the end of the first round. And, I mean, we talked to, we've referenced this several times. We talked to Daniel Jeremiah, and he had 11 tight ends ranked in his top three rounds. That's huge. And so, if you have a need for tight end and this, avail- this plethora of starting caliber tight ends or at least starting profile tight ends, why wouldn't you invest? It's got to be in my top three. And I and I, you know and like we're kind of splitting hairs here. Of I think you can sign a linebacker, a depth linebacker that you can trust. And so I guess that kind of falls into the you're still addressing it. But I'm putting personally, I'm putting linebacker behind tight end. No, and I remember early on in this when we're talking about even draft stuff, you were saying you'd definitely be disappointed if this team didn't come away with a tight end in this stock so draft. Many. Right? Exactly. There's it just makes so sense. many. Right. I would be disappointed if they don't come away with a running back, too. <laughs> but I think that's like a fifth, sixth round project as opposed to in the third round, if you have a, like a second round graded tight end out there, it's going to be really tough for me to pass up on that at 71. Yeah, the I think that's still the biggest need. I still, but to be said, fair, I still put that number three. Okay, yeah, I was going to say that right. biggest need for me is still the middle of the defensive line. So the defensive line. Yeah, just because okay. of the fact that... You know, you, I know you brought it's just in just a numbers game, right? You you brought in some some guys in free agency, and I think they are admirable uh, starters. But I still want a boost in talent overall yeah. for that D line, especially with an aging Cam Jordan around. So when you're talking D line, you are you? I guess we can split that up defensive end, like which I didn't split it up. So are you talking defensive end or defensive tackle? Uh, preferably defensive. Tackle, but I still could see the defensive end of position of need as well. Just because you lost a guy like Davenport, you're hoping Peyton Turner yeah. does something this year. You still have some depth there too with guys like Granderson, Tano. Uh, obviously, your your main dude is uh, Cam Jordan, but I'd still uh, that's a, a position that I feel like they are going to address it in this draft. Uh, just because I do feel like you have to. Yeah, <laughs> it, 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 I don't know. It just feels right for this team because I, I still have a lot of questions about Peyton Turner, honestly. And, you know, being a healthy scratch last year doesn't help. Uh, I, you know, I'll give him a little bit of a pass, but that wasn't – it's not good when your first-round talent isn't on the field at all. Yeah, I, I agree. And I would like to see this team get a little more athletic at defensive end. And I don't I don't know if they will. I don't think it profiles there. But, like, I would like to see them try to try – to, Establish a player like a BJ Ojolari or someone just the, the athletic guy be there. who can get around the edge, right? And I don't know if he's a guy you go at twenty nine just because he doesn't fit the archetype. Um, but you know, I, I still like Isaiah Foskey from Notre Dame. I I do like that. I would put defensive tackle above it in terms of you know you you at least know what to expect from the guys at defensive end. Like yeah. Cam Jordan is as consistent as they come. Carl Granderson is get just getting better and better. And then, you know, Tano is a rotational guy, and you have to gamble and say this is going to be the year Peyton starts to figure it out. At defensive tackle, 
I think I know what to expect. Hopefully you get Hollis Thomas out of Colin Saunders, right? <laughs> hopefully hopefully you get David Onyemata out of Nathan Shepard, which is who Dennis Allen Compton to. But I don't know. And I would really like to see a, a blue chip defensive tackle prospect in there. Yeah, and uh, make new D-line coach Todd Grantham happy too. Yes. <laughs> so, so personally, I'm still putting... You know what? Now I've changed my mind. I'm going to put tight end at number four, linebacker behind that, and I'm going to go personally... I'm going defensive end, defensive tackle, and I still think interior line, interior offensive line is the biggest, just because I can't trust Andres Pete. If I'm going into this season saying, I brought in Derek Carr to change the stakes of this franchise, to change the trajectory <laughs> of this franchise from being this middling team to a legit playoff contender, Better I need to protect him. him. Amen. Especially in the interior, because he's not, you know, he, he's mobile enough, but... He's not going to be a guy that is going to be able to survive constant pressure from the middle of the pocket, right? Like Lamar Jackson, he's going to get out. He prefers it because it allows him to get outside. Kyler Murray, it allows him to get outside. Derek is trying to stay in the pocket. He wants to stay in the pocket. And if it's getting collapsed from the inside, you're going to you're going to struggle. And I just can't trust Honest Pete to stay on the field. Right. And turning to uh, Throckmorton again, you don't want to see that. I mean, Doc Throck. And, you know, you have a... Uh, Lewis Kidd's another one that's, that could be in the mix. Yeah. yeah I mean, you, but you, have, you have young, like, developmental depth, right. guys still. Yeah, there's not that, that solid rock. I want my future starter on the roster at guard if I can find him. And I only think there's a couple prospects in this draft that would qualify in terms of taking them at 29, right? So if they're not on the board, if they're gone, then I might shift. But if they're on there, if I have a first-round graded guard and he's on the board at 29, I'm taking him. I saw a great segment recently on NFL Network. They had Osiris Torrance on, and he talked about just, you know, crawfish boils because they asked him, oh, we know about crab boils and everything. And I'm listening, and I'm like, man, this guy's ready to come back home. Uh, and that's something that has has come up on my mock drafts. I'm sure you have had it too, where he's a name that's going to be in that 29 range. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and uh, But he could be gone. He's right. going to be the, he's right. the top interior lineman <laughs> on the board, so it just takes one team. We've talked about this too. Saints fans will love talking about a first round pick, that offensive lineman. And I think there is a drop off after him. Yes, I think that totally. And and so like yeah, maybe forty, maybe you maybe maybe you go somewhere else at twenty nine, but I do think that we're in agreement that you know if if you want to split up defense, the interior line spots and the exterior line spots, which I don't think that's the right way to phrase it, <laughs> um, the outside line spots. Uh, I would I would rank these defensive end, defensive tackle, interior line in that order in terms of interior line is number one though. Yes. Okay. Thank you for clarifying. I was trying to find a way to, <laughs> to way to say that simply. And and that that's the order. If I okay, let so, me say it again. I would rank this from one, two, three, from most important to least important. Guard, but also, D tackle, defensive end. Yes. Yes, that's what I would go. And I think that's that's how this. That's why when I put mock drafts together, that's what I end up with. And from a perspective of like Saints history, will lead you, will 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 point you in the right direction. This team wants to build from the lines to begin with. It's always how they've operated, and I don't. And I think this is also just a year where it makes a lot of sense to do it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to my mock actually 3.0 because 2.0 just shook me when Bijan fell to me at 29, and I couldn't pass it up, and just was thrown off the entire rest of the way. I was shook. Yeah, I could tell. I could tell he just wasn't. He was. Halfway through it, it was just like, uh, uh, can we just can I do this over? And I, I, you know what though, I re, I kept that though. It would have been very easy to reset and start yeah. over. But I was like, screw it. 
own own the bit. Exactly right. I was like, all right, <laughs> let's see what happens here. And and you know what? I it's amazing to see the simulators. Obviously, are so much different than what's going to happen in real life. I'm just curious to see if even B. John Robinson makes it out the top ten. It's true. And Pro Football Focus locked theirs behind a paywall, so we can't use that one again. <laughs> oh, that's that's done now. That's right. Well, I mean, I I have I, I can use it. I don't think you have a subscription, and I'm not giving you my password. I don't trust you. <laughs> yeah, I'll totally like end up getting your credit card information. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, I, you already have that, but. Either way, all right, that's going to wrap that up. I think that was a good kind of thought experiment there, and I think we, we kind of landed on it, and we, we did kind of rank this in, inadvertently in, in a way that I think if we're just going down the list from the, the position that I think is least important to address to the position that I think is most important to address, then we can go through this. So at the top is special teams, which is just least important. Nick, you're not addressing it. Cornerback quarterback, wide receiver, running back, safety, the the offensive tackles, linebacker, tight end, defensive end, defensive tackle, interior line. That's the order in which I would rank positional need in terms of having needing to address it. The only one that, that may, might have jumped to me is like where wide receiver was. I might have it a little higher. Yeah, I could put wide receiver ahead of running back. Uh, maybe in the same That's range tough, as though, safety. just because of the Camara suspension and all. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I think that the only other back on the roster is Eno Benjamin, right? Jamal Williams. Right. Well, uh, yeah. Other him. than Jamal Williams. Right. So it's just, it's just Camara. So you Jamal, don't want me to move wide receiver. And Eno. Yeah, that's tough with with just that lack of depth. You're arguing against yourself, sir. Yeah, because I'm thinking about all the <laughs> other receivers we still do have on this roster. I, I agree. Um, but yeah, I think that's a that's a solid. You know, and you're not drafting for need, but I do think it's still important to 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 establish the needs. Um, and so I think that's I think we've done a good job of that here. Yeah, and running backs another position too. We've in the past tons of success with undrafted free agents, and who knows what could happen though. Like I said, we we talked about this year's class being uh, back and tight end heavy there. Yeah. So yeah, maybe they they address both in the draft, but that's another issue too is undrafted free agency, which will be. So much fun to cover after the draft ends, and then you're scrambling to get all these names together. Yeah, and everyone gets so excited about a guy like Abram Smith, and then he doesn't even make the roster and has never heard from again. Although he's, I think he's in the XFL yes, now. Yes, exactly. But no, I, I think, and and as much as I hate to say it, and I think it does, it is kind of demeaning a little bit. But like running backs are a dime a dozen, and you know you can you can find them. Whereas oh, there are positions that are more difficult to unearth in the draft and in free agency. And like even just from a from a salary perspective, that's one of the lowest paid positions. Breaking news on the podcast. Oh God, that's just a visit, so it's not that big of a deal. But is anyone interesting? Uh, a quarterback, really? Clayton Toon. Clayton Toon. Okay, so no, you know, I, I was on I was on uh, with Tommy Tucker this morning, okay. and one thing that I said to him, and I think is true, it's going to be interesting to see how many quarterbacks the Saints bring in because I think. If it's just Hendon Hooker and even maybe one other guy, you're kind of gauging the level of commitment to bringing in a quarterback, right? If they're bringing in like four or five quarterbacks or visits, to me that That'll indicates that they're right? in the quarterback market, and it's just a question of where they're going to pull the trigger. If it's just Hendon Hooker and they're thinking, you know, we just want to make sure that if we're in position to draft this guy, we have the information. But if you know, you end up with a Tanner McKee, uh, Stetson Bennett, Clayton Toon, Tyler Badgett, Jaron Hall— then it's like, wow, they, they're just looking for a quarterback, and they're just trying to figure out which one. So I find the Clayton Toon visit a lot more interesting the hooker. Than, 
than the hooker they brought in. <laughs> um, and also, Bobby's going to be really excited about this because I believe one of his relatives is dating Clayton Tune. Oh. I think his stepdaughter or maybe uh, we, we got to ask him. But yeah, I've talked to him about this before. Inside I've, info on Clayton Tune. Yeah, so, so maybe that's what it is. Maybe they're just bringing him in on Bob to, uh, Bobby's behest so that they can have a family dinner on the Saints' dime. Well, in something go, going back to the whole Foster Morrow thing at tight end too, they were in the pro, obviously the process of the physical with him. So there was they were that close were to me to bring him in, right? Exactly. Yeah, they were going to sign him. Da said that he was gonna like he was supposed to be having breakfast with Mickey Loomis when the news when they got the information about the cancer. So like you don't I don't think you go get breakfast with the GM unless you're about to sign a contract. Uh, but that's you know that's just my guess. Was anyway. um, Clayton Toon did not go to the senior, senior bowl. bowl. Oh, he was. Yes. Uh oh. Yep. We know that senior bowl talent pool. Yep. Hannon Hooker was there too. He just didn't work out. Right. Exactly. But all right, let's uh, let's wrap that up before there's no more breaking news. We don't need any more. <laughs> I literally just saw that come up. Ian Rappaport's tweeting it. Yeah. He's also visiting with the Giants, Steelers, Bucks, Rams, and Texans. So, oh, and Browns. <laughs> so uh, yeah, he's uh, he's making the rounds. I, I mean. It's interesting because I wasn't that impressed with him at the at the Senior Bowl, but hey, maybe maybe I, I maybe I got the wrong impression. But I also think that Nathaniel Dell's really interesting. That was his quarterback with Houston, so hey, maybe maybe there's a match made in Houston. Well, that's interesting too. Like you, you're mentioning, you know, it didn't really impress you, but something had to have stood out to the Saints I mean, because I, they had their their chance to meet with him there, so they want to even. More information on Clayton Toon. Yeah, I mean, if I had to pick one, he was probably the more impressive of the quarterbacks there. I just, I think it was a very low end quarterback pool, so I just didn't spend a ton of time watching it. And you know, even even if he's a guy they bring in, like this is a sixth round pick, I'd guess. You know, you're not taking him in the fourth. Fifth more round. likely of what we're expecting them to do with a quarterback. Right, right, and and if that's what they're doing, is they're looking for a guy they can bring in in the late rounds, then yeah, sure. He makes sense. I think Jaron Hall would make sense too. You know, there's a lot of guys who make sense. Um, Eagles still holding on to Ian Book. Yeah, seems like it. Yeah. <laughs> maybe they steal him off the Eagles practice squad. Yeah, maybe maybe they can re. <laughs> that would be funny if they repoach their. But own I, guy. I think I feel like though that Book was more of a Peyton pick than a DA kind of guy. Hundred percent. Right. So, but all right, we're we're going in circles. Now here. we're rambling, right? Yes. So at, at the risk of this podcast going on forever. <sighs> Make sure to subscribe. Let us know if you like the audio or the rambling from this podcast any particular way. And uh, we we can decide whether we can continue recording this way or go back to our, you know, humble abodes. They might miss the video of our beautiful faces. Yeah, well, if, if we want to keep doing it this way, we'll have to come up with a video option and just kind of figure it out. But it wouldn't be that difficult. I think. No, we're in a broadcasting business so we better have stuff barely we can set up our phone by the skin of our teeth (laughs) all right y'all thanks for listening i'm jeff nowak he's steve geller peace later everyone